Welcome to BimmerCast number 66. It is December, what is it, 30th, 2012, our last show of the year, and we are going to be wrapping up 2012 with a look ahead to 2013. Stay tuned. Michael, it's been, oh God, it's been like a month and a half, two months. It's been a long time. It's been a long hangover, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It definitely has. Um, what's what's new with you? I mean, it, you know, I hear Germany has uh, had some snow and then not so much snow. Yeah, Germany had some snow. Snowed for every day here for like a while and then it decided to get warm. And uh, so we went to Switzerland to find snow and Switzerland had some snow, so That's, we've they, been keeping up with the snow. They tend to do that there in in, in the Alps area. Um, so you've got you've got a M one thirty five on order, but it's not going to show up till what? Almost February, in March, March. Okay, so obviously we'll have to stay on top of that. Um, and that could change. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll see. There's see. some other prospective uh, cars that may be coming sooner than later. Yeah. Interesting. Um, over on this side of the pond, I've been uh, tooling around in a LCI, uh, aka facelift, 2013 7 Series, 740IL to be exact. Um, the 1M has been put away for the winter, which is a damn shame. And the uh, JCW, Mini JCW Roadster, is in dire need of snow tires, which is a completely separate topic and one that, uh, unfortunately, I am not responsible for. So, it's uh it's it's interesting. Luckily again, we, we haven't had much snow here either. Um so it's maybe we'll just miss winter again. We'll see. Yeah, two years in a row with no winter, I'm gonna be sad. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. So two thousand twelve was kind of a I mean, let's just cut to the chase here. It was a huge year for, for BMW. I mean there was uh obviously the three series was probably the biggest uh, re, you know, I mean when it comes down to it, the biggest launch of 2012, even though it technically did launch in 2011 um, for some markets. But let's let's dive into this and, and, and talk about some of these cars and even some of the reviews we've had for the year, because I think it's it'd be kind of fun to take a look back and after the initial excitement has worn off, really think about what these cars really meant for BMW. And I, actually, I want to start off with another one, the Active Hybrid 5 Series. Oh, Gabe, the Active Hybrid... Just, I can't swallow it. I mean, it's not going to sell. You know, so here's the issue with it. It's a, it's not a bad hybrid system, but when it comes down to it, you could get an N24 cylinder, a 528, basically, uh, with a mileage that isn't that far off, with performance that really isn't too far off, and a ton, a ton less money. So yeah, I, I mean, I think they're catering to a market that was built around a Prius, which Prius is really uh, Toyota doing a really great job marketing and mm-hmm. dumping a lot of money into selling cars that way. Yeah, and, and of course the Prius, I mean, it's <clears throat> its success is 
is uh, due to market insurer, and it also is you know it's an efficient vehicle for city driving. But then again, it's it's a cheap vehicle too. It's not it's not particularly expensive. So you know you're you're looking at this this vehicle that's going to be seventy k out the door, any way you slice it. Um, that's expensive, you know. I mean, think about the, again. Think about the five twenty eight. You could pick up for ten grand, you know, maybe even less than that. Um, ten grand less than the active hybrid five. And now you can add options. And now you can actually, you know, spec out the way you want. Yeah, I mean, I drove the active hybrid three earlier this year uh, briefly, and it's the same exact drive system as the five series. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, for what it is. I mean, you have an inline six and. You know, electric power if you if you want it, and you can drive solely on electric power if you want to pull into your garage quietly. I mean, I, I guess I guess I am such a skeptic when it comes to hybrids in general, mm-hmm. uh, because honestly, we have a 120D that I'm getting 50 miles to the gallon on, and yeah. <clears throat> it's still fun to drive. I mean, granted, it doesn't have a petrol red line, but the but the damn thing's fun to drive, and it gets 50 miles to the gallon. I don't have to worry about battery pack. I don't have mm-hmm. all that damn weight in the back. And you know what? It, it's fine. <laughs> well, let's you know what? Let's talk about diesels coming up because I think that's I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think that that to me is the answer in a lot of respects for what people are looking for as far as efficiency. But uh, I think we we both agree that the active hybrid, while not a bad car, not a bad drivetrain at all, just is a is a vehicle kind of looking for a market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the engineers did a sensational job building that and, you mm-hmm. know, taking into consideration BMW driving dynamics, keeping the weight balanced there, doing everything like that. They did, they did a great job. Transitional and smooth. I mean, you can't really tell if it's going from hybrid drive to petrol drive to electric drive. It does everything really well. It's mm-hmm. just why. It's incredible. Yeah, it's really incredible. I mean, the yeah, the obviously the engineering that went into it um, – it probably won't pay dividends in this generation, but it may down the road. That's my that's my gut feeling. So let's talk about, like I said, the biggest launch of the year. That was the, of course, F33 series. Uh, in the U.S., it launched in 328i and 335i uh, models. But, of course, elsewhere it launched probably, in God knows, five, five to ten different models and configurations just in four-door form alone throughout the world. Yeah, and of course, you know, the the bread and butter right now, I guess, would be the 328i as sales volume goes, and then the 335 being the the upper end as far as performance. You know, we talked about this when the when it came out. I mean, the 328i being such a good car that the you know, the 335i isn't really the end all be all that maybe it used to be. I mean, I think with the E90 generation you had a, a massive chasm. Even though the horsepower wasn't that different, the 328i now, being that it's a lighter engine, being that it has such better fuel economy, it offers a very different, and a, a, frankly, I think a nice alternative to the 335i. I do. And, you know, from all standpoints that I've seen, it seems almost like this generation 335i has taken a performance step backwards and become, you know, more of a luxury cruiser. Mm-hmm. than you know in the past mm-hmm. well i think uh, my guess of course is that the m performance version of that car may change that equation a little bit 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they're, they're I mean, making a little bit of space in the marketplace. And you can file that. You can file that under uh, what we will see in 2013. Of course, we'll we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, so let's let's uh, skip to some of the really exciting cars for 2012. M launched a number of different cars this year. And of course, the uh, the M5 technically launched last November, over a year ago. But in the U.S., it was of course this year and. And what a car. I mean, I recently got out of one from um, that I had for a week. It was a manual. I know, Michael, you went to the uh, to both launches, both press launches, and, and drove at Laguna. You drove in Spain. You've driven the manual. You've driven the DCT. I mean, you know that car as well as almost anybody. Yeah, I'm, I've been lucky enough to spend a good amount of seat time in that that car on the track and on the street. And it's quite impressive. It really, it really truly is. And um I still am a fan of the DCT in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just me, but I just can't see the whole rolling of the gears well, thing. For, certainly for not just you. That car. I mean, I think That's most me. most people agree with you. I mean, my and I and I don't disagree. I think for me, and and again, I I go back to the, I guess, and go back to the the review I wrote about the manual M5. I, I loved I loved that little sort of like injection of analog into the equation of the M5 because the M5 is such it's such a machine. It is such a precision machine. And then to introduce the ability to screw up, you know, to have driver error or to have just like this beautiful moment of, uh, you know, success with a heel to toe downshift or whatever. Um, I think that's awesome. You know, it's just, it's just a nice, it's a nice connection that you don't normally have with a car like this anymore. And I think the downside though, I mean, to be, to be really critical of it is it's a transmission that, could be better you know it's it's working with an engine with so much torque that there's a lack of precision that you may have had with the previous setup yeah and no, i don't disagree you know and the the big thing with the manual is is in the u.s we'll, we'll just focus on the u.s and, and why the manual makes sense in the u.s it, it gives it that intimacy as you're discussing but it's like the last you know the speed limit is what 55 in, in most of the country i think you have 65 and now there's one random road in texas that's 80 oh no see so you've, you've been gone for a while the speed so limit is the, 70 the, the thrill is really nailing that shift going around a corner and just being like hi you know like it's perfect coming out you know just nail the downshift rev matching all that fun stuff which that transmission does by itself which was a huge surprise and i didn't realize oh it's a, it's actually it. it's actually an awesome feature you're right but i will say the speed limit is higher in some states now it's 70 75 in some states and and i actually was it was thinking about that the other day when i was driving in michigan doing a very comfortable 80 on a uh on a highway that i think a 70 uh, speed limit thinking to myself as speeds creep up a little bit and cars get more capable you know, is when does Europe and the United States sort of start to become similar as far as the, the speed allowed? Um, just as sort of a sidebar, but and I think you know to that point, it gives yet another reason why manual doesn't really give you the satisfaction that it used to. Yeah, I mean, here we have you know, you put it on cruise control at one eighty six and right, just go right. for a while. Well, Germany, you know, Germany's like a little different. Is just like. A lot of stress. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Sweaty palms a little bit, right? Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> But I'm finally comfortable at driving at 120 for extended periods of time. It's it's taken a little bit, but, you know, because on a racetrack, you do 120, 140 for 
a split you know, second, what, ten, yeah. Ten seconds, yeah. And, and then you come back down to break in a corner. But when you're on the autobahn and you're doing 120 for a long period of time, it's it, it puts it in it's a whole different perspective, and it definitely takes some some getting used to. Well, so I think we can probably dis- agree to disagree on the on the manual, but we I, I think would agree both of us that the manual will not sell in numbers with this generation, and I believe strongly that this is the last manual transmission M5 will ever see. Oh, I completely agree. This is the end of the road. They're, they're not going to allocate engineering resources for a transmission that's selling in, you know, I'm just throwing a number out there, maybe 3% of total sales. Yeah, I, I would love to know the you percentage. Know, worldwide, if you think about it, U.S. being largest market and still not doesn't sell as well as, you know. It was, think it, does. it was 50-50, I thought, with the E60 M5. Yeah, for, for the U.S., sure. And then you add in the rest of the world and... Mm-hmm. You know, they're devoting engineering resources to a even smaller percentage when you look at the whole world. Right, absolutely. So let's let's move on to the M5's uh, close close relative, the M6, which launched in convertible form first and then in coupe form later in the year. Um, the The convertible is, of course, the convertible. I mean, the M6 convertible is a boulevard, a cruiser that, oh, by the way, can just go like hell and sounds interesting. And it is insanely ridiculous. Um, did I love it? Of course I did. You don't not love this car. You know, it's it's big, it's fat, it's overweight, it's it's got more power than it needs. It has a more style than you know, you know, it deserves, and it feels amazing to drive. You know, you, you just flicking the DCT paddles up and down and listen to that, you know, that that engine do its thing and, and, and make noises that just sound just almost foreign uh, as far as coming out of an engine is fantastic. You cannot love it. No, it's, it's hysterical to hear you describe it that way, but it's absolutely 100% true. It's, and, you know, between the two of us, I think it was a, a huge surprise that we actually enjoyed driving an M6. Right. Can, can I say that? No, you can. I think that, and, and I mean, the, and the the M6 Coupe, I think, was really the the one that turned it up a notch in a way that surprised me. Yeah, it, it truly, it's it's such leaps and bounds better than the previous generation. And <clears throat> every way, it's truly a great car for what it is. It's a GT. And people want to say, oh, it doesn't compete with a 911, blah, blah. It's not designed to compete with a 911. It's its own, it, you know, you're talking about like Maseratis and it's a big lumbering car that is quick and a, it, it's scary fast. It really truly is in straight line. It's mm-hmm. it's just that the weight impacts it going around, you know, sharp corners. Well, I would, yeah, absolutely. But of course, I mean, M has done a great job with suspension tuning. I mean, the weight is there, but you don't, you're not reminded of it, which is, um, I think a trick they, they learned with, of course, the E90 M3 and of course the M5 and, and even... Yeah, you know, to some yeah, to some degree, the X five and X six M's. Yeah, no, absolutely. I you know, it's not that the car doesn't drive well; it drives sensational. It's awesome on a track. It's a it's a great time, but it's not going to make lap times like an M three. Right, Just absolutely. It's bigger, yeah. heavier. You know, There's well, that it, coefficient of friction with the tires and all that great fun. But I would time. argue, though, on certain tracks where where you've got a long straightaway, aka maybe the ring. That that engine is gonna is gonna is gonna give you a little bit more more time, and I think the engine itself, you know, just to focus on that for a second, that thing is incredible. You know the the V eight, the twin turbo V eight, for all the the lacking of the V 10s charm, 
it is just so flexible. Yes, it really is. It, it, it's almost relentless, too, in, in the way the torque curve is. And it's just, you always have power on tap. You don't have mm -hmm. to ring the thing out. Yeah, and I think that you know people are concerned about the fact that it's, it's less interesting, it's less entertaining. I think power and torque are just inherently entertaining. Yes. And yeah, I mean, the 1M is a power and torque. It's great. Let's move on a little bit. Uh, the, uh, the, the other car that came out this year, and it's, it's one in the family, I should say. It's one I didn't drive. Um, the, the M550D. This is, this is M's first, uh, I mean, I, really, it's the first M-line car that was released. And, and, and Michael, you had it for a little while. Yeah, the, the M550D is um, M's first delve into diesel, inline six, triple turbo, and it was also the first car to truly launch the M performance line of automobiles. And it's just a really great all-around package. It truly is. And it's sort of a shame that the U.S. won't see it because in my eyes, aside from you know, high-speed braking, it's probably the most um, perfect car <laughs> in many aspects. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got fuel economy, it's sporty, it's sporty-looking, it drives real... I mean, it's it's really a great product. And, you know, just because it's a diesel, the U.S. will never see it, fortunately. But, uh, yeah, great, great car. All-wheel drive, too. M's also first sedan with all-wheel drive, and it's a lowered suspension in that as well, which hopefully will make its way through other cars because Gabe, as we discussed with the 3 Series, the pro, you know, X-Drive is going to be BMW's bread and butter moving forward. It seems like everyone that's above uh, you know, that snow line needs all-wheel drive now. So. And it, it, Yeah, and I can tell you that uh, was just recently at my dealer, and this is just one dealer, of course, but there were zero. And I, I, I mean, from what I saw, and I walked, the, I walked a lot a little bit just kind of looking as I was waiting for my car to be serviced, there were zero cars there that, that, that were real drive. They all had X-Drive. Of all the cars on the lots, all of them. I mean, there was one M6 that was being delivered to a customer I saw outside. Of course, it didn't, but everything was X-Drive, and this is in Chicago. So you think about the percentage of rural drive cars being sold at dealers, like you said, in the upper Midwest, New England. Um, I mean, it's, it's such a sea change for BMW in 10 years, even. Yeah. And I mean, there wasn't that many cars from BMW with, I mean, what do you think? The E39 didn't have all wheel drive. No, series. no, yeah, so. no, not at all. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, so, I mean, in an all around product, it's, it's functional. It's great. I had a hoot, a hoot in time with it. It was, uh, it was eye-opening to people that were in the car because of the lack of diesel character, if, mm -hmm. if I'm describing that correctly. It actually didn't sound diesel. Um, throttle response was non-diesel-like. It, it's just to drive that engine, uh, you know, it's, it's something special. And hopefully something similar one day will actually make it to, to the U.S. Because I think that once the diesel storm kind of picks up and goes and gets moving in the U.S., that mm -hmm. cars like this are, are going to be in demand. Hopefully. So, again, uh, remember that topic because we're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, moving on to the other car that you drove from the BMW M Performance line, and one that I'm very, very jealous that you did because I haven't even seen it yet, the M135i. 
the M135i is, um, I'm, I have money down on one. That's how, how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's special uh, because of the, it's a hatchback, which I'm, I'm a huge fan of, uh, functionality and practicality mm-hmm. and I could give, uh, who as really what it looks like. And everyone says it's ugly because of these headlights, but to be honest with you, it, it stands out in the crowd of mm-hmm. everything is looking the same now. Um, yeah. And it's actually a little different. Everyone says they're angry bird and blah, 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 blah. I hated them at first as well. And it's grown on me. Uh, I don't mind them at all. And actually with the M sport bumper, it looks pretty damn good. Yeah, but, uh, I agree. I mean, just from a, a objective sort of third party, I, I've, I never thought I, when I first saw them, I was like, Oh, that's kind of disappointing. Cause I was hoping for sort of small, sort of aggressive little eyes, but they don't look bad. They just look distinctive. Yeah, they're different. You know, and, I, and when we, I talked to Adrian Van Huydonk about the about the design of the one series and the headlights and everything and how it's a little bit different. And he said because the the, the one series is the one car that they can actually play with because mm-hmm. um, it, it's sort of newer to the market. It's a younger, more vibrant, quote unquote, sort of uh, audience. You know, it's it's. It's a newer, hipper car, mm-hmm. so they can get they can take chances with it. with it. Yeah. So it's it's pretty it's pretty cool, but uh, in the grand scheme, the M135 is a a one M tuned down a notch, I guess you could say. It doesn't mm-hmm. have the rear diff. It's not as aggressive looking. Um, it's also not as harsh in day to day driving. Doesn't have the suspension. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. It's it's a great all around package. Also available in X Drive. <laughs> Speed automatic transmission. I mean, I, I I am so excited about driving this car in M two thirty five I form, and and we should be seeing that. Um, I would oh, yeah. suspect. Yeah, any, those any uh, years prototypes time. are running around, so they'll they'll be uh, they'll be coming to market sooner than people think. That's the cool thing about that uh, new environmental building. BMW is doing a lot of testing internally now. They don't mm-hmm. have to drive them on the streets, so. It really looks like things are being shortened as far as development time goes, but really mm-hmm. it's the real world testing out in the real world that they don't have to do as much of because that facility that I think you toured a few years ago, Gabe, is, yeah. is up and running and pretty much they can emulate anything in that building. It's incredible. And I, you know, we talked about it at that, at that time too. In fact, if you, if you want to read about it on Bimmer File, just, just search uh, environmental testing facility it is um, it, it's what allows BMW to create the cars in secrecy. You know, like you said, Michael, we didn't see this two series, you know, in, in any form whatsoever on the road at all until we saw what almost looked like a final form, of, you know, like final evaluation phase prototype yep. driving down Munich, and that's and that's shocking for those who follow BMW and follow you know sort of the the prototype um, process. That is a complete change in, in procedure. Yeah, and I think it's going to get more and more. It's going to make things look like they're closer to being final than people realize. Yeah, so I mean, I, yeah, well, let's talk about that in a second because that's a, it's an interesting topic. I'd love to talk about that too, series as well. A um, couple other things that we did, we did drive. Uh, again, Michael, I'm going to give you, the, I'm going to give you the, the pulpit, so to speak, one more time here because you, my friend, got the ultimate test drive this year with the M3 CRT. Oh, I could almost never forget that, Gabe. Uh, yeah, that is, let's put it this way. I imagine the M3 CRT as a rougher version of what the 
a next generation F80 M3 sedan will look like as far as performance levels go. Yeah, that's so. Remind me, what was the performance of that engine of the CR2? Uh, well, this is the two. This is the bigger uh, version mm -hmm. of the standard V8 in the current M3. So it's uh, four point four liters. It's juiced up a bit. Um, I, I don't know the difference in acceleration really, but uh, it doesn't feel all that much quicker initially. And then you get that a little bit more top end, and mm -hmm. you get a little bit more torque. But drivetrain-wise, uh, the biggest difference, I guess, would be the specific tuning of the the DCT. Mm -hmm. It has a, a quicker response than than, than typical, and uh, the weight loss with the seats is the big in, biggest improvement, aside from the suspension tuning. I, I mean, all in all, to be honest with you, Gabe, this car is my dream car because mm -hmm. it's a four-door race car for the street. With incredible seats. And, and I remember, right, the rear suspension is mounted directly to the yes. subframe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, it's a GTS, mm -hmm. which was that fire orange thing, you know, the engine. Mm -hmm. And... Um, the guts really strapped into a sedan, which mm -hmm. I love sedans, practicality again. And uh, they were using some really cool honeycombed carbon fiber on the seats, and they used it on the hood, and they did some extra aero with it, mm -hmm. added in some big-ass brakes, and uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And, and they the made... braking is another huge improvement over the standard M3, and I have countless miles behind a e90 m3 it's like a ridiculous amount of miles <laughs> and we have and we have uh we have a lot to look forward to i think and i agree i think you know looking at the seats alone god if, if the f80 got seats even optional that looked like that wow a b maybe yeah we'll see we'll see uh let's let's move on to something that's a little bit slower uh, but maybe even more stylish, do I dare say? The the 640i Grand Coupe, um, I drove that actually last last May in California and and, and wrote about just the, obviously, the, the styling, the presence of the thing. It, it, it's, it's truly a, a beautiful car from BMW, and you can't say that very often. But, I, you know, the, the more I think about that, now that I see these things in, in traffic in Chicago, this is... This is a, a great uh, sort of uh, formula for BMW. You know, the you've got the six series Grand Coupe. We're going to have the four series Grand Coupe. It's this four door for people who need. Listen, I need four doors. I don't really carry a lot of people, but I just need four doors. That's the mentality that this car can can sort of go after, and they can it can you know that person can choose a car with way more style with just a hint of practicality. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, this this concept has worked for other manufacturers. I think BMW has executed this extremely well. Um, from a luxurious standpoint, the interior is it's gorgeous, yeah, especially it's... in that white with the uh, that orange uh, Alcantara. It's it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's incredible. I will say, you gorgeous. can't you can't wear dark colored jeans without leather. Oh, well, or if you can wash your jeans so they don't rub on your seats. <laughs> you could do that, maybe. I just, I, it's funny because in the press card, I noticed some of the, some, some blue jean blue showing blue up jean, in the seats a little bit. Blue jean blue, yeah. yeah. But I it's, guess that, that's, a, that's a good point. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's something you can spray with. But listen, the, the Grand Coupe is an amazing car. Uh, you know, like I said, just enough practicality to make it worthwhile. 
Um, this to me is my is my like dream used car in about five six years to pick up. You know, just well, they got this M6 Grand Coupe that they just did a mild launch on, which wasn't all that surprising. Except for one thing, Michael, the wheels. Well, even the wheels weren't surprising, but the wheels were cool. <laughs> we saw the wheels. That's true. Let's let, let's talk about a couple more things because we have a few more, just a few more. That um, you drove the X1, and you know we're starting to see these things show up. It's going to be really interesting to see how it sells because I think you generally liked it. I did. I I did. There were. It's one of those cars that's just packaged so oddly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that depending on what transmission choice, all-wheel drive choice, engine choice, and you know what you option it, it could be an awesome vehicle. And if you package it wrong, it could be a pile of crap. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's the way I look at it. I mean, so with the X1, you've got you've got the S28i, which is the I should I'm sorry, the S Drive 28i, which on paper was like, wow, this is great. We get a rear-wheel drive crossover. And I can get, you know, that great four-cylinder engine. But it turns out, Michael, that the steering rack in it is not ideal. No, it's the electric rack, and it really feels very similar to the um, 5 Series. Which is, which is, I would say, uh, remote and vague at best. Yes. Yeah. So, so the steering rack really kills that <clears throat> as far as if you're looking for sporty and feel. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for economy and still some fun because it's real well drive, hey, what the hell? You know, just actually get a package and, and do it up. Excuse me, right. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, the only one that made sense to me was the 28i with, with, with X Drive, which, which had the, the hydraulic rack. Eight speed transmission mm-hmm. versus the 35i, which comes with the. In my opinion, archaic six <laughs> six speed. I mean, just it's, the difference in performance and fuel economy is night night and day. And I mean, it's you're not so racing a twenty eight i. It's so funny though you say that because I, you know I I've, I've been driving this one rather. I've, <laughs> I know what you mean. I've been driving the seven series with the eight speed in it uh, for the past week or so, and it 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 absolutely makes my five my in my e sixty five series with the six speed automatic in question, feel archaic. You're totally right. That six-speed, when it came out, was like, holy shit, this is a six-speed transmission. It's an automatic. It shifts well. It feels good. And I drive this eight-speed, and it's night and day. I mean, the the eight-speed is quicker. It matches revs. It it can be seamless. It can be transparent, or it can be, you know, sort of sporty when needed. And I agree. I mean, if if I had to choose between the two and the 8-speed is only in the 28i, which it is, I mean, it's hard to go get that 35i and X1. Yeah, I mean, it really truly is. I don't know why you would choose the 35i. I mean, if you want an X1 that has 35i as a badge, sure. <laughs> Otherwise, I would 100% of the time recommend to any man on the face of the earth the 28i. <laughs> Yeah. That's just me, though. You know, I mean, you're, it's, and just package it, add some options, and you're you're all set. As far as the rest goes, I mean, really, it's a it's it's an E ninety one wagon on steroids, is what it is. Absolutely. Well, speaking of wagons, um, we did have a we did have a story and a, and a phenomenal <laughs> phenomenal announcement at that that we will be seeing the. Uh, the F31 3 Series wagon. So just a side note there, the F31 3 Series wagon and the X1. Be curious to know 
how how what sales uh, what sales are like between the two. Yeah, and we should have a review up on the three series wagon for the new year as a New Year's resolution, I think. There we go. And so finally, uh, one thing we did uh, we did review this year is it was kind of a fun little comparison: the JCW Coupe versus the One Series M. And I'm going to sum it up by saying. Um, we all know the winner. And it doesn't come with a JCW lettering. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't at all. Um, Seven thousand miles on the on the on the one M coupe, by the way, and it's um, it's uh, just getting broken in. Feels feels great. Seven thousand miles, Gabe. Wow. I yeah. think I've already done that on the one series I have. Oh yeah, I don't doubt it. Well, it's you know, it, yeah. I mean, <laughs> just try to garage the thing as much. I mean, the the one M is just. It's the first car in my life that I've wanted to keep for a long time. So uh, hard to on a on a warm, sunny summer's day. Hard to say no to that thing, though. I will say that. That's true. So let's talk a little bit about uh, 2013 because we 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 obviously had a great 2012, but there's a couple key things that are going to be happening in 2013, and I want to start with diesels. We touched on it earlier. This is going to be, I think, one of the biggest stories of the year. I hope it is because I'm truly I'm sold. I mean, I, it's my daily driver is a diesel here, and I, I'm pretty sure that the U.S. will get a similar spec engine um, of the of the, the two liter they, they four. They have uh, what they call blue the blue performance or add blue or whatever jargon they're using here in Europe with the the 120. Mm-hmm. So you can buy it with the uh, diesel emission fluid injection. Mm-hmm already oh really really yes that's interesting it is interesting so i mean looking at like 50 miles to the gallon pretty good performance i mean if you consider performance similar to say an e30 m3 you know it's just about the same it's not too bad sorry i'm i'm uh currently trying to plug my computer in (laughs) can you hear me okay yeah, you're good, but the uh, yeah the interesting part will be is what what motor goes to what, and I think we kind of had a a little idea on that, but you know we'll see. I'm pointed that the X one's not coming in a diesel, but you know they, I guess they have their reasons. Yeah, originally so we had heard that the X one was coming. I think the interesting thing about that is, uh, and I can only assume the X one just didn't. It didn't give BMW the, the 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 volume that they expected. So you've got let's just go down the list here: three series sedan and wagon, which is shocking. The wagon surprises me because I had heard directly from someone in marketing that the wagon would be only offered in one engine. Mm-hmm. So unless the wagon's only coming in a diesel to the US, I don't know. That That's would, what I was told. That would be interesting. But you know, so here's my theory on that. Do you know how many diesel Jetta wagons are sold in the U.S.? A ton. I mean, I'm as diesels go. De- diesel wagon Jetta story and <laughs> how long the wait it is and how much the dealer can jack it up. The diesel wagon uh, phenomenon, I would say, of the, the diesel Jetta wagon phenomenon is, is, is certainly interesting. But here, here's the other thing that, was, that, 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 that clicked in my head as I was thinking about this This. Uh, BMW diesel wagon. I was talking to the folks from VW Vortex not long ago, and they were telling me that internally at VW, one of the issues, or no, I should say Audi, one of the issues that Audi has is so many people 
step up from the Jetta after having two, three Jettas and go buy a three series. And it's something that Audi has been obviously trying to squelch for a long time, but you've got this natural progression or this march toward a three series from the Jetta. So it doesn't take much for BMW to say, listen, we've got a lot of folks in Jetta diesels out there and they're going to want a similar wagon because they're wagon people. Let's go ahead and just give them the, the three series diesel option and be done with it and see if we can capture some of that market. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. It's not. I mean, honestly, that's I would buy that. And a lot of those folks who, who are buying diesel wagons, I mean, listen, they could afford a lot more. They want a diesel wagon. They like that idea. Yeah, that's it's a very good point. And, you know, and the thing, too, is is that the, the, the new wagon is, you know, as we've seen with the the regular three series, it's grown in size. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're up to like the same size almost as the E61 five series, you know, the, the past generation, the one, the car you have Gabe, essentially. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really what you're looking at when you get to the, which is insane, the by the way, which is insane. Be a little bit smaller, but not all that much. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I may end up with one of, of these exact cars we're talking about actually as an aside. So we've got, we've got the three series sedan and, uh, and sport wagon, of course, those will be um, see the I, from what we're hearing, the sedan should be released at the New York Auto Show. In fact, they should show a lot of this at the New York Auto Show, but it should be actually yes. at dealers in the spring, and at least in the first half of 2013, with the wagon coming in the latter half of 2013. The five series diesel should also hit in the third quarter of 2013. The X5 should, and this should be the new X5, should hit in uh, the end of 2013 as well. The 7 Series diesel, first half of 2014, and the X3D, first half of 2014. So within a year, roughly, uh, 18 months, we're going to have six diesel models in the United States from BMW. The 7 Series is the surprising one to me, honestly. Yeah. Because that's, uh, you know, by, by then, 2014, it'll be what? It'll be 2014. Uh, that will be in its basic end of life I mean, yeah, I mean it'll have two two solid more years maybe roughly yeah um well, yeah, yeah. yeah probably like close to 18 months i bet but that's just that's why it's so strange it, it is it is strange i mean you would expect if they're gonna <clears throat> but well i take it back i mean we 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 all know that that car is going to get this the the six-cylinder diesel uh and there are there are going to be two there are going to be two engines something that we didn't talk about earlier the the four-cylinder diesel and the uh the six-cylinder turbo diesel uh, the X5, 5 Series, well, I should say the X5 and 7 Series are the two that we know will have the inline 6. 5 Series, I would assume, would have that inline 6. Yeah, I would think so, too. But my point, though, is that you're looking at the 5 Series and X5, BMW probably had to look at another car, another larger car, to be able to throw that in there and have it make financial sense. And instead of going with the X6 or 6 Series, they went with the, with the 7. Yeah, no, they, I definitely... Volume, economies of scale, makes sense. It makes sense. But yeah, no, you're you're right, and it is it is interesting. They're certainly not going to throw it in the five uh, GT. <laughs> What's the five GT? Oh, yeah, sorry, that's I sorry, right. I, I don't. I <laughs> don't hate the car to drive it. I just kind of wish it didn't exist. I I don't know why. I shouldn't say that, but I do. Well, and then the other car we'll see, which you know just made its internet premiere, is the uh, the Z four. 
This, and and let's talk about this a little bit. Yeah, so let's talk about this. We're going to see it in Detroit, and BMW or file will be at Detroit, and we'll be bringing that live too. Um, the Z4 had the most mild LCI I think we've ever seen in the past. Well, I should say in in, in modern BMW history. Yeah, it, it was very very mild. We're talking lights. Yeah, lights. I mean, not even the rear lights. Just, just the front lights and the side grill sort of design. That, that was it. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me. But the car is still looks relevant. It still looks fresh. It's it's actually, you know, the design of that car is, I think, one of the time. It's going to be timeless, honestly. Yeah, no, I, um, I definitely agree. I mean, I think it's I think it's one of the I think it's one of the best looking roadsters on the market. It is a fantastic looking thing. If they could just sort that steering in the base model out, it'd be a great car. But that's another story for another day. That's yeah. why they make an IS still. Well, and, and so let's talk about this because when we talked about the M performance line a while back, we had assumed that we'd be seeing an M performance line Z4. And, and we're not. I mean, with, with this LCI, which would have been the perfect time to do it, we are not. Yeah, what that decision was about, I'm not sure, because I heard from several people that that was going to be an M performance model. So, and that also is retaining the N54, which is another shocker. Because again, I mean, thinking back to to even the one M days, we you know one of yeah. the reasons. I mean, originally, we knew this wasn't right, but you know, originally one of the reasons why the one uh, M was only one year is because the BMW board didn't want to approve the. N54, a relatively dirty engine, to be produced anymore after the end of 2012-11. The only other thing, honestly, Gabe, is that this could be such a low volume and it might actually see, it might see, let's say, a September refresh again. That wouldn't be mm -hmm. the first time they've done something like this. Yeah. Um, because I also know that Alpina has moved on from the N54 because they can't source the motor any longer from BMW. So that's why this is also a big surprise. And it, that's interesting. And you know what? You may be right in that BMW may just have a stockpile of these things, and they just need to clear them out. That's that's the only thing I can figure because um, I know I know Alpina's invested a lot of money and time into the N54, and uh, they have moved on to the N55 in their development, secondary to not being able to get N54s anymore. Before I, I I do like what they've done with the black roof. Um, you know the subtle tweaks, but yeah, it's 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 almost timeless. I, I definitely agree. The other big, the big news at Detroit, and the big news for I'd say 2013, just in general, is that four series. I don't want to comment on that car yet. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't do that. I you have to comment on it. It's it's mandatory on the on the on the Bimmercast. I let me comment first. Let me just say this. I love it. I mean. It's it's basically the size of a six series. If there was an imaginary six series, like around the E forty six time period, that's what that's what it would be. Well, I guess there kind of was in a way. Um, the the four series, I think, is I love it. It's gorgeous. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. It's it's bigger. Uh, certainly, it's it's getting to the point of a GT car. Um, but from an exterior design standpoint, I am a big fan of it. I will say that if it doesn't have massive wheels, I'm sure it's going to be 
a little less impressive. Um, but you know, I think I think we're going to see a car in production form that doesn't look that different. I think it's going to lose a lot of its spunk when it gets um, productionized. I knew you were going to use that word too, which is an official <laughs> word, I might add. Productionized. Um, I'm coining that now. <laughs> now, when it goes into production, I can see that the rear lights are going to be different, the rear bumper is going to be different, the rear exhaust will be different. Uh, on the front, you're going to have a bunch of differences on the front as well. You know, I'm fine with different. all that changing except for the front. I, th I think if BMW, if they could make a stand and 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 actually allow that the front design through um, into production, it would really move the game on. You think? I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, and then you get the door handles. So it's going to look different. Yeah, obviously. the door handles are, you know, will definitely not, not make concept it. Car. But I do, I do get what they're doing, moving it up market. I mean, Audi moved their coupes up market. You know, Mercedes does the same thing. They mm -hmm. move their coupes up market. It's to make more money, obviously, and making more money is good for, for the company so mm -hmm. they can invest in some cool stuff. But um, it has grown. So... It's inevitable that the 2 Series will grow as well, which will probably be the perfect car for the enthusiast. Well, and so let's let's talk about the 2 Series, and, and this is sort of back where we started. I've been looking at uh, spy photos recently. It doesn't look any bigger than the one coupe right now. Now, of course, I'm not seeing it side by side. I'm sure it is. But I guess the point is it's, it, the, the proportions of this little coupe are still spot on. Yeah, I think it actually is going to be... Um, better looking because it's going to be a little bit longer, mm -hmm. so it won't be as you know as squat as it was. Well, the problem with the the previous one series coupe, I think one of the issues that a lot of people had was that that line at the bottom of the car, which you know you could argue they finally made right with the one M, but it, it it was that sour line, as they said. Yeah, and. So they'll you know they'll stretch it out a little bit, and plus the uh, with the hatch it, it got about I think two inches bigger in the rear seat like legroom area. So you're at least going to get that much room mm -hmm. in the coupe, I would imagine. Um, but I think that's going to be a hoot. I, yeah. I truly think that car will be fantastic. It'll look gorgeous, and we'll probably see that you know later on as well that in 2013. So it's 2013 yeah. will very much be the year of the coupe in a lot of respects. Um, and, and it also, I think will be a little bit of, of the year of the, the M performance line, you know, the M3 concept or no, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, the M3 concept, the four door M3 concept will probably be shown. Uh, I would say next spring at Geneva. We'll see we'll that. There. Yeah, we'll see that. Definitely. We will be there. Um, but, uh, you know, the M performance line of, you know, the, the two series coupe, I think will be big. You know, you can imagine in performance line of a three series being a pretty big deal as well. Both of those maybe be in the U S uh, what about, what about an X three? You know, I mean, these are, I think we're going to see a lot of, of cool stuff from M that doesn't necessarily, um, you know, revolve around an M car. Yeah. And the other big thing for the year, Gabe is BMW. I will officially, Yes, the streets running as production cars. That's true, and I think it, it, those of us in the U.S. are are going to be very, very curious to know how BMW is going to handle sales of those things. I mean, is it just going to be a New York, LA, or New York, California thing initially? Um, is the U.S. going to get uh, the the hybrid i three um, 
only, or is it going to have hybrid electric? I mean, what, it should be very curious to see how that thing is, and in pricing as well. I mean, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I mean, I've heard scuttlebutt around, um, you know, that there there's been some changes in world markets that have impacted BMW i that may not be at the forefront of everything. Mm-hmm. Realistically, I could we could have a whole show about that, but mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Um, here in Europe, most of the countries have pulled out of uh, providing incentives for electric cars, and they've also pulled out of you know providing charging stations and all that throughout Europe, which was the original plan when mm-hmm. when this all got going. Uh, Germany was supposed to offer up some some tax incentives and also some you know parking and other other things for electric powered vehicles, which has seemed to uh, evaporated with the Euro crisis as it mm-hmm. were. But, uh, so, I mean, since last spring, BMW has been focusing heavily on developing the range extending version of the i3. I mean, most of the spy mm-hmm. phones you see, if you look at them carefully, you'll see in the rear, um, it, it says hybrid drive. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've had, I've seen the car in the flesh a few times, uh, myself or actually for pretty decent periods of time. And, uh, the ones I've seen are all, which would be the range extending version, which is the ones that are labeled hybrid. And mm-hmm. uh, the wheels are always powered by electric, but there's that little generator motor mm-hmm. um, creating electricity to refuel the battery, as it were. Not unlike the Volt. And the range is supposed to be significantly more than a standard gasoline-powered vehicle. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's less range anxiety compared to a regular electric car. So That's cool. Originally, it was a develops for the U.S. market after doing a lot of, you know, uh, what do you want to call it, consumer research. They, people in the U.S. seem to have a fear of range. Uh, and that's possibly why the Volt is selling like hotcakes compared to the Nissan Leaf. Well, I think... Other reasons. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very very valid, very fair, and I think um, you know thinking about how the economy is changing, really the U.S. and uh, dare I say Japan, uh, are maybe maybe China, uh, maybe you know will be larger markets than they anticipated for these cars. Yeah, and I mean, take it for what it is, as far as like the styling and the futuristic looks go. I mean, it's actually a step in a futuristic direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is different. It is it is new. I think when people first see them, they're kind of like, "Ooh, it's gross." But from a functional standpoint, the car is is amazingly functional. Uh, interior is probably the nicest interior for a mass-produced car that I've ever seen. Honestly, as far as use of space goes, it, it is almost like Gabe. If you if you go back to the original Mini and how interior space was utilized, mm-hmm. it's it's on that same level in many ways. That's that's very interesting. Well, 2013, big year. Um, I'm think, looking forward to. It. Yeah, so I mean, you know, yeah, like you said, you're you're going to be at Geneva covering uh, that event. Uh, look for that M3 concept there, amongst other fun stuff. Um, we will be at uh, Detroit as well in a few weeks, uh, looking at the four series and looking at which sounds weird just to say, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> looking at the Z4 and and, and uh, poking and prodding everything we can. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's going to be a lot of launches throughout the year as well. So, you know, lots to look forward to in Vimmerfile um, and, and really a lot to look forward to with the brand. Yeah, it should be. 2013 should be something, uh, I think, that's going to be very 
changing for the brand as well. Yeah, no, it definitely will, definitely will. Well, with that said, let's close out 2012 and uh, say, of course, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for podcasts, stories, etc., shoot us a note in the contact section of Bimmerfile. Otherwise, have a happy, happy new year. And uh, this is Gabe. Cheers. Michael Prose.